The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. I had a friend ask me a couple years ago, what's the hardest thing for you right now? And I said, it's a choice I make every day to wake up and choose to live. Yes, right? every, day. every day. Every day. To choose yes, to day. live, to believe that there is still a good God working at a good purpose, even Jesus. when your life doesn't look good. Through fear, struggle, disappointment, and loss, Michelle Cushette found a faith that will not fail. Next on Life Today. everybody, I'm Tammy Trent. Welcome to Life Today. So many of us have had our faith shaken to the very core and wondered, where is God in the middle of it all? I think if we're being honest, many have also felt in that place that our faith is falling apart. It's failing us. Life is failing us. Well, our guest today knows all too well about suffering and truly being robbed of life, yet she has fought for peace and a knowing that God is still in the hard stuff through it all every single day. Michelle Kushat is an author, a speaker, Bible teacher, and a three-time cancer survivor who has just released a brand new book titled A Faith That Will Not Fail, 10 Practices to Build Up Your Faith When Your World Is Falling Apart. Welcome, Michelle. It's so great to have you here. It's so good to be here, oh, Tammy. I have been looking forward to this. Have you? Yes. Me too. We're both looking forward to it. We have high <laughs> expectations. Exactly. So tell me your story. Mm. I know a little bit. I know bits and pieces, okay. but I want to know your story. Can you take me back? Yeah, I grew up in the church. My parents became Christians when I was about six months old or so. So even though my parents were brand new to faith, I've really never known life without Jesus in it, mm. which is a tremendous gift. Yeah. The downside of that is sometimes we equate faith with a math equation. This is what I mean. We think faith is all about doing what God wants you to do, avoiding the things he doesn't want you to do. And if you do everything right, then he's on the hook to give you a good life. Right. Oh, my goodness. That's so true. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, and I thought that's the way it worked okay. until starting in my 20s. I had a series of consecutive losses that lasted up until this present moment uh, oh. that uh, was basically my life not going according to plan. Mm. Uh, it started out when I was unexpectedly a uh, divorced single mother at the age of 27, 28. Uh, I was in the ministry, married to a pastor, and through a series of circumstances, ended up completely alone with a one-and-a-half-year-old and oh, needing sure. to re basically reinvent myself and life, my life. Right, right? yeah. Uh, and that was big enough, hard enough in and of itself. Right. Then following that, uh, I met my wonderful husband at church. He had two children. I had one. We thought, wouldn't it be nice and easy to make a blended family, right? Piece of cake. Yeah, real easy, real easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just say it doesn't look in real mm. life like it does on TV. Right. It's hard. It's yeah. challenging. Yeah. Um, we got through that hurdle, and uh, I, it was about 10 years in, and we were like, we've got this. We can do mm. this. Very, very thankful. And then on an ordinary Tuesday before Thanksgiving, I got a phone call from my doctor, um, and the first words out of his mouth were, I'm sorry, Michelle, it's not good. 
And the short story of it is, is that I found out that day that I had squamous cell carcinoma of the tongue, cancer of the tongue. Oh my goodness. Crazy, huh? Is that rare? <laughs> I had never heard of it before. Yeah, I didn't know it was possible to get cancer in your tongue. Okay. Um, it is very rare. Okay. Uh, and it's usually people who are much older. It has a higher incidence with males and females, all these things. And I'm going, oh, wait a second. That's not me. I'm right. 39 female. What's going on? Right. Uh, and that first diagnosis was cancer cut early, uh, okay. kind of a best case scenario. Okay. However, uh, you know, as much as they told me that day, we got it all. You have nothing to worry about. And I proceeded on with my life. They were wrong. And so cancer came back two more times, each time more serious than the last. Uh, and I should also mentioned, I make my living as a speaker. Right, and right. A pre I, I do some preaching, teaching, talking. I'm, I'm pretty attached to this part of my yes, body. And yes. so uh, it came back three times, a third time, sure. the most ser serious, where they basically had to take out two-thirds of my tongue, um, cut up on my arm, my leg, my neck to try to rebuild a functional mouth so I can eat and drink and talk. And then basically gave me a very short time to kind of get my affairs in order, at which point in time they started radiation and chemotherapy. And I won't go into the details, but sure. when you start shooting radiation at the face and the neck, uh, it is has serious consequences. Yes. Um, and so for the past several years since that most recent diagnosis, I've been trying to live again, you know, trying to figure out how to live with a permanent functional disability, how to um, find an identity that yeah. isn't what it was before. And, right. you know, basically, just like so many people have gone through, um, my story has cancer and divorce and all this other stuff, but everybody has their cancers. And when it happens, when it kind of rips the rug out from under us and eats yeah. us alive, um, what do we do with our faith in those places? Absolutely. Can I ask you a hard question? What is life like for you every single day? Mm. Just every day, the challenges, the disappointments. Yes. I mean, hard. you've been, yeah, you've been through it. Yeah. And here you are today. You're writing books to try to help other people. Mm -hmm. I'm sure your own faith is shaken to the core. But what is it like every day for you? Uh, it's very hard. I, you know, I... I, I want to be super transparent. I think it's so important when we talk about faith that we kind of pull back the curtain and tell the truth about the struggle, the mm -hmm. difficulty, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because faith in theory is one thing, but real faith in the middle of real life is something else entirely. You know this yes, I do. better than yeah. most, right? Yeah, so every day for me is hard. Uh, I, I had a friend ask me a couple of years ago, what's the hardest thing for you right now? And I said, it's a choice I make every day to wake up and choose to live. Yes, right? every, day. every day, every day to choose yes, to day. live, to believe that there is still a good God working at a good purpose, even Jesus. when your life doesn't look good. Yes. Right? And that's it. That's a daily momentary choice. You talk about lament a lot. Yes. Why is that important? Well, lament is uh, an ancient kind of word, an ancient practice, and I honestly feel like the modern church, Big C Church, has lost the art of practicing lament. Lament, very simply, is the vocalization of grief. Okay. It's taking the sadness, the losses, the things that we feel, and putting words to it. And Any tell kind of word? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm yes. upset. Dear yes. God, why have you forsaken me? Why is this yes. happening in yes, my yes. life? It's enough. I can't take it anymore. All of that, is that yes. lament? Just like, here it all is, God. I'm just letting it all out. It's telling the truth. Huh. 
It's telling the truth. And what freedom does that exactly. bring? Exactly. And, you know, for I don't know why we have come to believe mm. that we can't tell God the truth. Right. The reality is he already knows. That's exactly. <laughs> we can't ask him the hard questions. Yeah. We can't. But we can't. Yes. I mean, he already knows. So right. why not take all of this? Right. And rather than think that we need to carry it on our own, why don't we go to the one who said, come to me all who are weary Amen. and heavy laden, mm. and I will give you rest. He has asked us to bring our heavy loads to him. And that includes our anger, our grief, our Mm. sadness, our confusion, our questions, and tell him the truth about it. That's what lament does. And when we tell the truth about our suffering, then healing can finally begin. When we tell the truth about our suffering, healing can begin. Yeah. So many of us might be at our, kind of hit a wall because we, we aren't honest with that process. So it's like our, your healing stops, you know, people mm-hmm. get stuck. They think, why, why am I stuck? What a great word just to say, yeah. just, you know what, bring it all before the father, be honest be about honest. it with Tell everything that's going, because that's, that's where you can begin that journey of absolute wholeness and absolute yes. true freedom in your life. This isn't their journey or their journey. It's your journey to mm-hmm. healing, your journey to wholeness. So be honest with it, bring yes. it all to God. I think of Jesus as you were talking when he was, uh, he approached somebody who needed healing and he simply asked the question, do you want to be well? It's mm, good. Do you want to be well? Yes. Well, the only people that can answer that question, yes, enthusiastically are people that can admit the need to healing in the first place. Right. And that's what lament is all about is acknowledging our desperate condition yes. in the presence of the only one with the power and authority to do the healing. That's right. Why do you think we struggle with knowing how to deal with our grief? I'm always like, is there that one thing I could give them to help them get through that? Do you have something that you tell people? Absolutely. I love to get super practical when it comes to this. Um, I say, if you have a friend or a family member, somebody who's really suffering, whatever it may be, suffering comes in all forms, always start with empathy. Mm. We too quick or we too often start with wanting to fix right? because somebody else's pain makes us uncomfortable, right? Pain Mm. is contagious. So Mm. when we see somebody else suffering, their discomfort gives us a measure of discomfort. So we are so quickly to, to respond or tell them what they need to do to fix it Mm. or tell them what they need to do better or whatever. It's not helpful. So before you rush to fix, just make space for empathy. So basically to say, this is a saying I use all the time. I, I will look at somebody who has just shared a hard story and I'll simply say, I am so sorry for mm. your suffering. Mm. I am so sorry. So I see your suffering and I'm so sorry. So good. I think that um, I've learned that fewer words are better. Have you heard mm-hmm. that before? Where mm-hmm. People say, actually, what do I do? What do I say? It's like fewer words are better. Mm-hmm. Sometimes all I do is grab just a, show up. Yeah, just grab a girl at the <laughs> altar that's waiting yeah. to be prayed on. And I just, I'll just hug her and, and sometimes won't even begin to pray yet. Just hold and hold and hold. And it's like, you can, I can feel them crying more yes. and more as the embrace goes on a little longer. And it's just in that moment that I think you, you both feel like, I get it. You don't even have to tell me what's going on. I yes. can feel the burden and I'm holding you up, sister. Mm-hmm. In the name of mm-hmm. Jesus, you're going to get through this. I yeah. love those moments. What you're describing there is when a person doesn't have enough faith or belief because of their suffering, you're saying you can borrow mine. Oh, I love that. Right? Yes. So you're entering in with empathy and saying, I am so sorry for your suffering. And at the same time, you're saying, I know it's hard to believe right now. That's okay. Oh, I believe enough yes. for both of us. 
Goodness, Michelle, you're going to be so, okay. That is so good. It's such a great practical thing for us to do when we say, how can I help somebody yes. that's also grieving? Again, fewer words, just showing up, being available and just wrapping your arms yes. around them mm -hmm. and saying nothing in that moment. You're right. What a practical yes. thing to help bring somebody closer to their healing. Even grief uh, doesn't follow a set timeline. And I think that's something important for us to recognize for ourselves, but also our loved ones. Uh, it's not like, uh, well, once a year has passed, you should be over it. And I just want to make sure those who are suffering right now or grieving, guess what? If you haven't followed that certain timeline or a timeline somebody has uh, projected for you to say, well, if you're feeling sad, it's okay to feel sad. Right. God's not telling right. you you should be over this by now. Oh, that's so right? true. He is still present with you. He yep. sees um, I do believe God weeps with us for our mm. suffering. He also knows the future promise. So yeah. he, he weeps with us, but he also knows what's coming. Amen. And so we can take it to him. Uh, and this is part of that beautiful act of worship where we hold current reality and future promise in both of our whole, own oh, hands, right? Yes. We hold them both. Wow, That's I love what that. worship looks like. Current reality, future promise, and we hold them both in tension, knowing that the God who made us is going to redeem it. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Sometimes All we get it. so fixated on the one, the, the, the past and the yes. hurt and stuff that we don't know how to... to put our mind on the redemption, how God will restore and how he will redeem yes. because the pain and the hurt is so heavy yes. that we just, we attach to that and that becomes our identity rather than the redemption story here mm -hmm. of God restoring your life. And I've seen the flip where we think we have to be happy all the time and pace to smile and not acknowledge our pain. That's why it takes them both. Go back to the book of Lamentations where, you know, the, it's called Lamentations, right? So it's all about lamenting yeah. Yeah. and there's so much grief. And then right there, in chapter three, he goes, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed for his mercies are new every, every morning. morning. Great is his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Michelle, why is it dangerous for people that are suffering, that are hurting, where their faith is shaking? Why is it dangerous for them to isolate, to just kind oh. of close the door, shut the door and say, I don't need anybody. Yeah. I'm going to figure this out myself. Okay. I feel really strongly about this. And I feel like this is a word for all of us right now. Um, the gospel is a story of God exiting heaven and entering humanity. Because the truth is, is anything broken can only be healed in relationship. Right. The story of the gospel mm -hmm. is Adam and Eve in the garden, separation from God, this break in relationship. And God sent Jesus to enter into relationship to facilitate that healing. Mm -hmm. Well, the tr same is true for us. Right. Um, what is wounded in relationship can only be healed in relationship. And so as we go through different difficulties and in our struggles, the more we isolate, the more we short circuit our own healing. That God wants to bring a gospel level redemption to us that's greater than anything we can imagine. But it happens. This is God's design. It happens in community. Okay. It happens yeah, in relationship, I right? Yeah. I think of God operating in the Trinity, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, right? Mm. Um, he operates in community. There's something unique about that. And he created us in his image. We are made to be in relationship with one another. But that requires us to take the risk. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. And to enter in. It's what you and I are doing right here. Do you feel there's oh, healing happening 100%, right here? 100%. 100%. Right? Just even as you said that, I can get yeah, emotional about it. But, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's healing happening yeah. right here. And I could keep my story to myself and sit at home, but I would stunt my own healing, but I would mm. also stunt yours and vice versa. Yes. And so something beautiful happens when we choose oh, to tell the truth um, yes. Not just to God, but also with each other yes. to share in this. Yes, and to seek that out, to seek that community. Yes. To seek those safe places, those, for us girls, you know, for for me, I'm, I'm always praying for that circle around my life, that... Yeah. Um, that community in my life, it has helped bring healing into my life. Yes. And after my husband died, uh, you know, right away, I invited girls to my yes. home. And I said, every, once a month, and I said, come and let's just fellowship. Let's just hang out. Let's mm -hmm. watch movies. Let's play Yahtzee. And it brought healing to me. What, what it also did was I'd gone from caretaker to, yes. uh, uh, to Trent, my husband, and I didn't have that. It was just gone like that. And so now it allowed me to care for yes. other people. And yes. so I was taking my, my eyes off myself, my own pain, and putting it onto to somebody else, yes. my energy, yes. my thoughts, like... All, I was just pouring into somebody else, and that was really bringing me healing. That I did for an entire year, yes. built that community, and it brought it's me back so to life. It's so critical. And they were doing it for you, yeah. and it was healing them, too. I mean, that's the reciprocity of this whole beautiful gospel community oh, that yeah. we give and take and receive and offer. Mm. And in, in that exchange, we discover something of God. Yes. You know what I love about your book is that you say there are 10 practices to build up your mm -hmm. faith when your world is falling apart. So you've done the research for me. You've mm -hmm. given me 10 practices in this book. Yes. Is this, Michelle, what you'd call, like, I feel like it's a guide, Bible study? It's, it's a Bible study, but what my goal was, um, when I was in the pit, okay, when I was in the pit, I had no strength or energy to kind of put myself back together. So okay. I needed something easy to reach for. Okay. And so this is good theology that's mm. accessible for somebody that needs a lifeline of faith. Amen. Right. So easy. They're all in tiny okay. bite sized pieces. You can read it in five minutes, um, 50 tiny chapters. But the idea is if you need somebody in your ear telling you, you can do this, girl, you can do this. Amen. So that's the takeaway. Yeah. You're a you cheerleader. You're going to help us uh, build a faith that won't fail. I think we've both kind of traveled that road. Yes, we where have. Our faith sister. has been shaken and we've had to trust Jesus with every mm -hmm. piece. And we've watched him put things together, which is a beautiful redeeming story. It is. God's love. Michelle, what is something that you hang on to every day that just kind of sets you up on mm -hmm. that path daily? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, Hebrews 11 and 12 talks about the cloud of witnesses that cheers mm -hmm. us along on our journey. You know, people who have gone before, people of faith around us, all of us that kind of help us run our race well. And one of those people for me uh, is Jill Briscoe. She doesn't even oh. know this, but I heard her speaking at a conference and she said this and I, she said this quote and I have it inside mm -hmm. on the inside of my Bible as okay. a reminder because it keeps me focused on why I'm here and why um, I still believe and what my purpose is from here all the yeah. way to the end. And she simply said, you go where you're sent, you stay where you're put, you get it, give it all you've got until you're done all the way home. I love that. All, all the, the way, way home. home. It's that simple. You oh go where gosh. you're sent, yes. you stay where you've put, you give it all you've got until you're done all, all the, the way, way home. home. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. It's honestly how I feel when I take 
that mission trip with Life Outreach every time. I go where you send me, God. I'll stay and I'll gather the stories and I'll give it all I've got to help bring life and Jesus to those precious families until I'm finally home. I want to send you Michelle's book today with any gift that you can make to the water for life. Just make sure to call and request that and we'll get that to you. But first watch this. Water sources for over 700 million people worldwide are not safe. Sickness and death result from drinking contaminated water like this. Yet mothers like Yolok continue to collect it for their families. So why do you drink it? I have no other choice is something every mother like Rhoda lives with, and it stands as a painful reminder for her of her losses because of this contaminated water. Stories like these represent a snapshot of what mothers around the world are faced with. But it doesn't have to remain like this simply because they have no other choice. This is the water sources for this village and so many other villages just like it all over the world. And it can't keep happening. Those of us who can have got to get involved. We've got to care enough to make a difference in water, the water crisis around the world. And it doesn't have to be that way. Help us give water for life. I've sat with these mothers on countless trips with Life Outreach. I've held them. I've prayed with them. I've cried with them over the loss of their children. I know some of what it feels like to have your heart completely shattered into pieces when you lose someone you love. Part of you is gone too. The loneliness, the depression, the pain, the struggle to go on. Feeling like you just have nothing left. Like maybe you've done something to cause this. Maybe it's your fault. If only, if only, if only. And the hopelessness that they feel can creep in when they look around and see that nothing has changed. Death is still knocking on their door every single day, but they'll keep drinking that water because it's all they have. They have no other choice. And to think that a better source of water is right there under their feet, they just need help getting to it. They're not asking for much. They're just asking if we could help them change this. So when they do look around, they see a water well, they feel safe, free to thrive, hopeful for a better day, and trusting in the Lord as their healer and provider of all things. Wouldn't it be amazing to help them live in freedom of fear and hopeful for a brighter day? It's a prayer I pray over my life every day. So why wouldn't I want that for somebody else who has it way harder than I could even imagine? I have safe drinking water, but they don't. I don't ever struggle with the fear of dying because of the water I'm drinking, but they do every day. So how can I share what I have with the least of these? We can all share a little 
by giving to this mission water for life, to bring them the water of life. On average, it takes about $4,800 to drill a complete well, to assess the land and find the perfect spot, and then go in and bring the big machinery into those remote locations and start drilling until we finally hit that clean water source, no matter how long it takes. But our team will do it. They know how to, and they do it right, because it'll last on an average 70 years, which is a lifetime. And that's why we say water for life. Now, understand that not everybody can give a well, but I do believe that we can all do something to help. And here's how we can do it. For your gift of $48, you can provide water for 10 people. And a gift of 144 can provide water for 30 people. We're just asking simply that you do something today. Because the more of us that come together as a part of this mission, the more successful it will be in Jesus' name. Now, I know many of you have given before, and I want you to know how much it means to us, to all of us at the Life Outreach team and those whose lives you've changed. Wow, we so appreciate it so much. We couldn't do any of this without your continued support. So thank you. Truly, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And for the one that might be watching for the first time and wondering, is this for real? Well, unfortunately, the hardship and death that these people face every single day because of the lack of clean water, yes, it's heartbreakingly real. Yes, pain is real, but so is hope. And it's my hope that today, that it will be the day that we rise up and we say, count me in. I want to help. Here's my offering. Lord, multiply it and use it to change the world so that together we can bring water for life. Let's do that together today. Make that call. Every day, thousands of lives are lost to waterborne disease, and nearly half of those are children under the age of five. Through Mission Water for Life, you can give mothers hope and children a future as we provide clean, life-giving water for thousands of children and their families before it's too late. With your gift today, you can help drill and establish 350 water wells this year. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five children, a gift of $48 will help provide for $10, $72 will provide for $15, and $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With a gift of any amount, we'll send you Daughter, written by James and Betty's granddaughter, Lainey Renee. This insightful book invites all girls and women to walk in the freedom of their God-given identity and embrace who they really are. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request the Great is the Lord decorative blanket featuring the words of Psalm 145.3. This beautiful blanket is perfect for comfort in cold weather and a reminder of your help with water for life. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well and request our new bronze sculpture, A Cup of Water, inspired by Jesus' words in Mark 9.41. Please call, write, or make your gift online. Remember, with any gift that you can give today, we want to send you Michelle's book, A Faith That Will Not Fail. I know it will bless you. Just make sure to request that. Michelle, I have loved getting to know you. <laughs> likewise, likewise. You've, you have been amazing today, and I'm so grateful for you pouring into my life. So grateful. I know Thank this book you. will pour into so many more lives. I hope it's been an encouragement to you just knowing that you can effectively build up your faith that will not fail in one that is rooted and grounded in the word of God. You win. We win. Romans 8 37 says we are more than conquerors in Jesus name. Thank you so much for watching and we'll see you next time on Life Today.
the world adrift. Fight the Good Fight by James Robinson and Jay Richards reveals the battle for our culture. Constitution shattered, heroes vilified, but hope remains. Unite, repent, and stand firm. Fight the Good Fight. Tomorrow, John Bevere invites you to embrace the awe of God. It doesn't mean to be scared of God because you can't be intimate with somebody you're scared of. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.